Welcome everyone to another episode of Maybe Next Year, the only podcast that shares passwords before the show. My name is Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Password. I'm Paul. Oh, Scott. Paul. Damn it. Paul Scott. My pa Paul password is Scott, and Scott's password is Paul, and my password is what are their names again? Peter uh, man. <laughs> yes. Finally, we can talk about we can talk about that. But uh, suffice to say that if you were listening to the pre-show, if you're one of our many patrons who you know subscribe to us via PayPal and send us the money, uh, heard our pre-show, and we would have told you our name passwords um but you aren't so too bad uh but you it's not too too bad for this week because the bills won a football game and man they they uh they opened somebody somebody opened the valve right like we've been trying to get water out of this tap for a while and matt barkley looked under the sink and said hey you guys i think the water flows off and he turned it and 41 points later the Bills decimate uh the the jets i guess decimate by an order of 10 so no, well, yeah, so it would have to be a 41 to four that we would have had to beat them by. Right. And it was, that was kind of like a nonsense. It was touchdown. in play for a while. Yeah, it was, it was a nonsense touchdown at the end. So nearly decimated. I'll, I'll say nearly decimated. Right. 41 um, to four would definitely be a four, uh, uh, scorigami. I yeah, can't imagine that's happened. The double safety. Right. It, and it would be like 41, one safety would legitimate be legitimate. The other safety would be there's eight seconds left and they just want to, they, they have to run out of the back of the end zone to, kill the end of the game kind of thing. Yep. Um, That's how the bills got their one, two safety game. I remember is the other team just ran out of the end zone at the end. But of course yeah. the bills kicked two field goals. So they lost like 13 to 10 and it looked like a normal score. Right. Just, you know, two field goals to uh, two safeties. Um, the bills best passer, Logan Thomas, one for one for 15 yards, 118.8 quarterback rating. Also, also pretty good. Matt Park, Matt Barkley. Two touchdowns, uh, 117.4 quarterback rating with 232 yards. Um, they just they just trashed the Jets. The Jets, the Jets uh, did not look good. Um, and I don't know that this is a repeatable result, but the Bills are third in the AFC at three and seven. Um, it was a fun game, especially if you tuned in on time, like some people did. Uh, <laughs> Like Paul did. Paul, you tuned yes. in on time. Give us your, give us your take on the game, and then we'll we'll go through some of the, the the key points too. Yeah, I would I would love to go through my take on this game. For one clarification, I believe the Bills are actually third in the AFC East, not the AFC. Although yeah. it's close, the AFC <laughs> is mind-numbingly awful. So that is why we have not done our our maybe next year pronouncement yet, because the rest of the AFC just won't cooperate in allowing us to to do that sooner than later. But yeah, this was really an, an enjoyable game to watch. It was fun because, you know, watching the slightly better than pedestrian quarterbacking performance of Matt Barkley was therefore the best quarterback game we have seen all season out of the Bills, which was wonderful. You know, 232 yards, two TDs and no picks. We have, we have you know, very mild standards here. And I was, I was glad those were met. I think of... You know, Frank and I were talking a bit toward the end of the game, and Frank had made, you know, the appropriate conclusion that the result, you know, it did have a lot to do with how bad the Jets are. That is definitely accurate. But what it also had to do with is the Bills finally playing well and finally executing their plays. I think one of the things I mentioned after the Monday night game in the New England game, they had a flea flicker that they very well executed on the front end, and then Derek Anderson missed Charles Clay deep on that play and it would have put the ball at least inside the New England 20. So what do they do on Sunday? 
first play of the game, Matt Barkley hits Robert Foster deep, and all of a sudden the Bills are in business. And then the other execution thing that occurred to me is that, you know, this year we've seen a lot more of the Sean McCoy failing, you know, to get to a hole quickly and just getting swallowed up, you know, either at or behind the line of scrimmage. So on the second play of this game, you know, a hole opened up quickly. And rather than, you know, whoops, hey, there it is. He like cut up field the second it started to open and all of a sudden he's in the end zone. So two situations we have seen where they failed to execute in the passing game and in the running game consistently this year, they execute on play one and play two. And all of a sudden the entire tenor of the game changes and it's, it's seven to nothing. I think, uh, you know, so I'm going to go now series by series and play by play with the significance of, no, that's probably, mm. we don't have quite enough time that that would be a four hour podcast, but I do want to know another thing I liked about this game, the receivers I felt did a much better job of helping out the quarterbacks by making plays on the ball. There was the, a dagger in the hard play on third and 20 where Robert Foster, you know, positioned himself. Well, James Lofton on commentary noted he wasn't right up against the sideline. He stayed a little bit away so he could come back to the ball, make the catch, land on his back and still be in bounds. And that was really, you know, that's up to Zay Jones second touchdown. That there was a positive. I think the only negatives, I, I think they got a little fortunate to have no turnovers. Zay diving for the end zone and fumbling with three jets in front of him after he'd already gotten the first down on third down and fumbling that thankfully was recovered by Jason Pagula, excuse me, Jason Kroom in the end zone to hmm. give him, uh, you know, to expand the team's lead. That was lucky. Barkley also had one pass that was close to being picked. So there was some good fortune there, but there was also some some bad luck that balanced it out too, where they tipped about 45 Josh McCown passes that weren't intercepted. But yeah, I don't want to go on on too much more about the the game. I don't want to steal everything Scott could talk about, but thankfully there's a lot to talk about with a win. You know, I, I do want to note that McDermott had said in the post game about some of the additions they'd done on the the speed aspect of the team. We'll go into some of the roster changes in a later segment. But, but McDermott had said that after watching film with Dable this past week, Dable said the offense needed more speed. So what do they do? They promote Robert Foster and they sign Isaiah McKenzie. Now, my, McKenzie comes aboard, immediately helps four aspects, punt return, kick return, receiving, and then most noticeably these outside runs. You know, after three end-around runs for first downs, it just had to take that threat seriously. So the offensive linebackers and defensive ends couldn't just collapse to the middle to stop the runs up the gut. And right. as a result of that, you know, they could fake that end around a bunch of times. And that was a legitimate threat, that fake, because they had to respect it. And then, it, as I mentioned, the other thing, Robert Foster, you know, stretching the field on the game's first play, you know, and then converting that bomb on third and 20, you know, Jets can't put eight men in a box anymore, you know, with and hopefully future opponents can't either. So I, I think the most encouraging thing for me, I didn't talk at all about the defense really because they've just been exceptional all year and I'll leave, I can leave that for start. But just the offense, I felt the plays were drawn up similarly to how they've been previous weeks. The offense actually converted some of these. Boy, that was just a, a huge difference maker and made this game much more enjoyable. Um, I'm going to continue to talk even though Frank appears to be dragging a dead body around. Yeah, I th- I I'm so sorry. I I, uh, I didn't realize I was making so much noise. I spilled wine on my keyboard, so I am trying to <laughs> I am nice. trying to gently mop it so it doesn't destroy the whole podcast and my computer. <laughs> I think I've gotten it all now. Please, Frank, by all means. Frank, aren't you destroying the podcast now? <laughs> <laughs> I want to write. I want to render it. 
Well, I was going to say render it unlistenable, but again, I probably do. I'm doing that too. Um, <laughs> why don't you tell me about the the bills and general? I'll continue to talk now. Anyway, yeah. Um, no, I think. Uh... <laughs> oh, you wrote that in the chat too. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Frank, this Frank is just murdered a school. I'm very sorry. Anyway, we'll continue. Yes. So I think the it's hard for me to get. I was watching the game kind of unfold on my phone, and I watched it afterwards, and I enjoyed. And everybody enjoys beating a divisional appointment. There's no opponent. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, by all means, it's better than losing to them. That would have been a tough Tuesday. I've got two Jets fans in the audience in the uh, office, and they, I'm sure, would have enjoyed it. Though cynical as they are, they probably would also realize that that would also mean not a lot to them. Um, so, at the same time, and and so let's let's start there. This is a good thing. At least the team still cares enough to go out there and compete occasionally. Um, and Paul mentioned some good stuff about the offense changing a little bit, at least some of the play calling, maybe some more kind of um, getting out of the kind of run, run, pass, kind of up the middle kind of thing, which you've been stuck in, or the five-yard outs, which we were stuck in with Peterman in there, um, and to a lesser extent, Anderson and, and some of the other guys. Um, obviously, the the optimism on the offense to a certain extent is tempered by the fact that obviously, which we'll get to later, you know, Josh Allen is going to come back and start this next game after the bye, and Matt Barkley is not the feature of this team. Um, and if he is, then let's hope that he's that good every week, and I think history has proven that that's not the case. Now, again, he's a replacement-level guy. As we discussed two or three weeks ago, Derek Anderson's a replacement-level guy, mm -hmm. and you, if you're playing the Patriots on the road, that's a or if you're playing the Patriots, period, that game is at home, um, it's going to be a tough draw for a replacement level quarterback with two weeks notice to come out and lead your team to a victory. That said, when you're playing the jets, apparently you can find those guys. Um, I think that is, I think that's probably the biggest thing that I learned about the bills and really def by definition, the sport of football is that actually there are a large number of kind of mediocre to bad quarterbacks lying around out there who are evidently available and that those guys can win you a game if they're so inclined. So I think that to me, that really raises the bar of what you're expecting out of your quarterback that is on your roster right now, because if he's not that guy, then you might as well just go get signed some guy off the scrap heap for the veteran minimum, basically give him a full off season to prep and just say, we're just going to spend the rest of the money on the entire rest of the team, and we're not going to spend as much on the quarterback. Again, that's proven to be not quite as successful as having a stud, you know, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers type. But it is, uh, I feel like that's a more legitimate strategy at this point than trying to hope that like Ryan Tannehill or Andy Dalton turns into one of those guys. Um, anyway, so that was interesting from the kind of general kind of football watching perspective. Um, in terms of the Bills in general, I think Frank's getting a second glass of wine. I think I just I just ordered some wine. wine. Yes, I, yeah. and I realized it was making noise. I apologize. <laughs> I think the good thing that the Bills are doing. I'm trying to keep us on track. Is very hard. It's very distracting to have Frank make all this noise. Um, <laughs> it's good that they continue to try out new people. I think, and again, we'll get to that also a little bit later of like the roster moves and such. But at this point, like the season is pretty much a, a wash at this point. So let's let's cycle some guys in and out. Let's bring in a, a an Ike McKenzie and a 
Deontay Thompson and, you know, all these give Wyatt Teller some snaps, you know, let Searles get some snaps at right tackle, you know, let it, let it all hang out at this point, because again, this is essentially an extended training camp right now. So if we can do all that and, you know, find out who's, who's coming to play when the team's two and seven, now three and seven and has nothing to play for other than your paycheck and the guy next to you, um, you know, that's pretty valuable, I think. And I think that's how McDermott's approaching it. And I, I think I commend him for that. I, I, I still have my kind of fundamental concerns about like, does McDermott have a bigger plan for the team other than just, we're going to build a culture of winning at whatever that means. And, um, you know, whether or not Josh Allen is the quarterback, whether or not the defense, um, is going to have enough domination to be able to carry the offense, which, um, to this point, obviously, has not really worked as a strategy. Um, I think there are more questions to be left unsaid there, but they're doing what they can with what we have left in the season at this point, and that's about it. I'm a little disappointed to hear that you don't think that Matt Barkley can lead this team to a nine and seven record. I mean, you know, you're ready to call it a season, guys. Well, clearly, it's... clearly, Sean McDermott doesn't. <laughs> yeah, no, it's amazing how quickly he gave up on Matt Barkley. Even though, I mean, think about all the chances that Nate Peterman got, and, and Matt Barkley actually went in and, and shamed him in one game. Uh, and <laughs> but at least, you know, at least that gave him the roster spot. It wasn't like, okay, yes. thanks, Matt. We're going to cut you and, and keep the other guy. We're going to keep this one week. It was I, like, I, all right, we'll just keep throwing darts at the wall until we find a legitimate quarterback, backup or not. Oh, okay, this guy works. Yeah, but, and I'll just not much else to add to this because you guys have really hit a lot of it. I, I'll say that in rewatching it, I think there was a pretty big holding call on on Shady's first touchdown run, which I was very happy they didn't call because. Uh, it, it was one of these things where um, he, as, as Paul pointed out, he definitely hits the hole and he runs and they, he finally gets some decent blocks and it looks good. And part of it is the the deep pass they just threw, um, you know, and it's, it is sort of replacement level stuff. Like if you hit, um, was it Robert Foster on that, on that first yeah. pass? Yep. You hit him in stride. That's a touchdown on its own. Like he's that far ahead of the, the DB and he sort of has to kind of catch it and go, going out of bounds. But <laughs> But it, it's also the best pass completed probably of the year by a Bills quarterback. So, you know, you 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 got to be you know, can't beggars can't be choosers. Um, overall, I, I agree across the board. I'm glad I'm glad that younger players and um, that they're looking at speed and faster players. I, I'll say that um, I felt like this game and even the Patriots game they lost and a couple of other things. I feel like I I do like Brian Dable as an offensive coordinator. I feel like he is trying different things. I don't feel like we've been stuck in run, run, pass too much, um, especially, and, and to the extent that we were, I feel like that was almost exclusively Nathan Peterman stuff, that Nathan Peterman right. just is a quarterback that you can't work with. And yeah, Bills, Bills and Beers pointed out in the Bears game that every second and long, they seem to hand off no matter what, but that was a Peterman yeah. game, just to go exactly to your point. But Derek Anderson, and even Matt Barkley, who was there for ten days or twelve days before he got his first start, and Josh Allen, I, I didn't feel like that was the offense. So, you know, it, it gives me a bit of hope, and 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 I'm willing to sort of give the thumbs up to him at least for now. Um, other than that, I, it was a good game. I mean, I do think that they beat a terrible opponent that is reeling. That you know, hashtag evacuate the Bulls. That's my. Um, that's my my new Twitter campaign to get rid of Todd Bowles. Uh, they but they uh, they don't even sound like they like each other or the coach, and 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 it, it's almost like a 
I'm wondering if uh, once they're officially out of the race, you know, at, at three and nine or something, that they might not pull a, a thing where they, they, they cut him loose early. Um, you know, so did they take advantage of a terrible team and, and beat the crap out of them? Yes. Is that a step forward for this team? Absolutely. Um, you know, another person, though, that like Kelvin Benjamin, just further solidifying that I don't need him in my future as, as a Bills wide receiver you know, hit a couple times in the hands. Like the one thing he's supposed to do is jump up and catch a ball. And I felt like he got his hands on two jump balls and didn't catch either of them, including one in the end zone. Mm -hmm. So I'm just, you know, not at all thrilled with him, but you know, if Wyatt Teller works out and, and, or, or at least like next year is like a, is like the swing, swing player on the be line. Andy, be Andy Levitra. That's his goal. I am right. fine with that. Right. Um, be Craig Urbic. I don't know. Yeah, don't um, have to be Ruben Brown. Just no. be like a Levitra. Four, four years of solid play. Right. Well, that, and I'm sort of, you know, encouraged also on the health factor that it sounds like the Bills are not. I'm, I'm happy that there doesn't look like they're going to go back to Derek Anderson or Matt Barkley um, because we're going to see Josh Allen. Um, I think they didn't. They have announced that already. So. Um, that's good. That's good because that that feels like you know at three and seven, there's probably something in the room of, hey guys, we could go nine and seven. Like you still have to sort of play lip service to that, even if you don't believe that in the room. But you can't start a quarterback that you don't think gives you the best chance to win. So it means that they haven't really lost confidence in him, and also we get to see him. So who knows? Maybe he gets to. Maybe he's learned a little in his time off the field. Uh, and we will, you know, continue that story in two weeks. Do you, um, do you want to start him against the Jags? Is that a good idea? That seems like the wrong. I realize they are not as fearsome as they have been in the right. past. We're kind of skipping ahead or skipping around, but I feel like that that is the the operative question to me because again, yeah. we're just getting back, and he's going to have some practice time, and it just seems like that 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 sounds like a recipe for disaster. He'll have two weeks. To, to prep for it, right? So that's good. Um, I agree with you that it, it, there's a part of it that smells like Nathan Peterman versus the Chargers where you're like, is this really the defense you want to start a guy out on? But also, like, he's not Nathan Peterman, right? Like, he's not the fifth-round flyer quarterback. He's supposed to be the future. So, you know, like, now's as good a time as any to start trying to figure it out. And since I've already written the season mm -hmm. off, I don't really – I'm less interested in if they win and more interested in if he can look competent against good defenses. But I, I take the, I believe what is the point of your question and you have been right about this kind of thing before. So I do not dismiss it. The thing that you're always right about Scott is who are the three stars. I am always right about the three stars because three stars are always right. Exactly. Uh, I'm the one who gives them to you. Therefore I am correct. Um, the three stars usually begins with honorable mention. The honorable mention of this game is Robert Foster, who was signed off the practice squad and came in and caught 100 yards, which is something that I don't think any Bills receiver has any Bills receiver done that this year. No, I know. No. I know. Last last year, Deontay Thompson did come off the street. He was on the waiver wire and then caught for 100 yards. But this right. was, yeah, no Cam Phillips, no Ray Ray McLeods, no one, no one had gotten 100 yards this year. That was that 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 was kind of the, the thing that was running through my head was Deontay Thompson when I watched uh, Foster on 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 Sunday. Hopefully, given that Thompson, you know, 
Did we lose Scott there? Did we lose you, Scott? Scott? We might have lost Scott. Oh. How did you not? Oh, there, there you go. go. There you go. Okay. Now we're good. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, if I attempt to do anything uh, other than the pod, it continues to break. So <laughs> the. Um, Meanwhile, I'm over here dragging anyway, dead so... bodies across my keyboard. <laughs> Nothing happens. Yeah. He actually authored a web browser doing that. <laughs> right. Boo! It's a callback to a joke no one heard and was <laughs> That's, that's <laughs> why it's an inside joke. All of our listeners are like, what the hell are you talking about? More so than normal. But right. uh, that, that's anyway. This is one of our worst podcasts. Anyway, um, the so Robert Foster's your third star. He reminded me of Deontay Thompson in terms of his like, hey, we just signed this guy. Maybe he's good. And then it turns out that he's really not that good. But hopefully Robert Foster's got a little more upside because he's a practice squad rookie and maybe he's got a little shape for him and maybe we can turn him into something. Who knows? Let's be positive. Um, third star goes to Matt Milano. Six tackles, uh, one uh, interception on a nice – well, it was the the pressure. Again, the defense played in well in general. We didn't really talk about them other than just kind of they got a couple deflections. Um, as usual, you know, I want to say as usual, as hoped for, they – successfully dominated the jets not really allowing them to do pretty much anything they had i think one yard in the first quarter or maybe mm -hmm. the first half even so good job overall for the defense so they do get some uh respect there with milano uh getting into three stars but obviously um good efforts from everybody hughes uh you know kyle williams i think had a sack uh a couple other guys shaq lawson had a sack um you know guys who are guys who are playing well within the system and again the system is is good at some things and and you know hey they got torched by josh mccown last year admittedly with like a healthy jets offense around him um, mm -hmm. the jets obviously not like one or two of their their best receivers and i think um i forget who their running back is but i'm not sure he was healthy either but regardless let's say it's chris ivory even though he plays for the bills let's call the jets running back chris ivory yeah, absolutely. We kept Chris Ivory in the uh, in the pen here, um, but anyway, which we did because he didn't get any carries. Um, the uh, second star uh, goes to Matt Barkley, fifteen to twenty-five, two hundred thirty-two yards, two touchdowns, QBR eighty-four point seven, one hundred seventeen point four pass rating. Arguably the best performance by a Bills quarterback this year. You could debate about that Josh Allen kind of Vikings game where he kind of like started off like a house on fire and then kind of limp to the finish after the bills were already up you know decisive with the ball making good reads not a lot of um you know one or two throws that yeah he'd probably like to have back because they were could have been intercepted um but obviously they weren't and that's that's part of it uh he doesn't have the peterman curse where your receivers suddenly start dropping the ball when you throw it to them um the only other thing i was going to say about matt barkley is if anyone had me giving a second star to Matt Barkley for the Bills in uh, at any point prior to Week Seven this year, you get a prize. Right, like names drawn out of a hat at that point would have been better. Like Jim Storgi comes in for the Bills, That's just as legitimate as Matt Barkley coming in and winning this game for the Bills and getting looking decent doing it. So, so in, in three weeks, when the, the second star is Paul Justin, we shouldn't be. You know, surprised at all. 
Absolutely. I think I think pretty much everything's in play for the Bills and Stars for the rest of the year, which is good. It's just exciting. Uh, and first star, I'm pretty sure it's his first star of the year. First first star of the year, LaShawn McCoy. Mm-hmm. Thanks for showing up. A Man. little a little bit of the old uh, LaShawn McCoy there with 26 carries, 113 yards, two t- five yards. Uh, as Paul had said early on, hitting the holes with abandon, willing to grind out four or five yard carries as opposed to, yeah. to dance behind the line. The the holes were there more for him to find um, instead of him just constantly having to fight to get out of the backfield um, all over again. So the, the line does get credit and actually kind of pushing, you know, not a terrible Jets defensive line out of the way a little bit. Um, and so, you know, LaShawn McCoy gets gets the first star, but, you know, his complete uh, team effort is a good team win, as Sean McDermott would say. Yep. Yeah. I, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just, the, uh, you know, the two things, like, I feel like if Milano had gotten concussed, his star could have even been higher because he played such a great game. That interception he had was 30-plus yards downfield, and linebackers are not known for covering players 30-plus yards downfield, at least effectively. So, that was good. Then we know this might be one of our worst podcasts. I missed the opportunity to go like, did, did you listen to season one? Did you listen to season one, Scott? You might want to check that out. because It'll be coming out on 4K Blu-ray soon <laughs> now that we're finally getting the remasters in. The Criterion Collection. Yes. <laughs> the producer's cut. No, that was all I had to add. It was nice to see Shady play like Shady. I, I mean, he's been the, the thing to watch the last couple of years, and I felt bad for him because I felt like there was a sense of Personally, I didn't, I couldn't tell if it was him or if it was the line or both. And it probably is both, but he definitely looked like old Shady once he got a few blocks and he's looked good at times when he's caught the ball in open space. There's just not, not often, you know, stuff. What am I trying to say? There's not often open space. There's not enough open space for him. Yeah. Right. Well, I'll tell you where there's an open space now. It's on the roster where Nathan Peterman used to be, um, as well as Ramon Humber and Cam Phillips and Philip Gaines. Um, but I mean, we can talk about all of them, but I, I'm here to talk about that. I'm here for your, your Nathan Peterman takes, to be honest. <laughs> um, he was awful. He never really got better. And then he left uh, far after everybody wanted him to go. Um, he is almost certainly a very nice human being and I wish him the best in love, but gosh, did I need him away from this football team? Um, anybody, Scott, do you, well, you just did three stars, Paul. Yeah. Give me your, give me your outtakes on the out players and and the death of Peter mania. Yeah. We'll start. We'll, we'll flip the agenda a bit and we'll start right with the death of Peter mania. Cause that's the bigger story. Although they did cut someone who'd been with the team for, over two and a half seasons as well. But with with Nathan Yads, I had been, you know, on, on Twitter for a couple of weeks, you know, obviously Nathan Peterman's just been getting it left and right for a long time. And, you know, I I didn't like necessarily seeing some of the attacks because I thought, you know, okay, you're crossing the line here. He's a bad quarterback. He's now in a situation where it's less his fault than the people who put him in this situation. And the receiver's not helping him by tipping interceptions right into other players' hands that are very catchable balls. But I didn't want any of that to be misinterpreted as Nathan Peterman has a spot on an NFL roster because he really doesn't. And I, yeah. I, he's just not a skilled football player. And he's had 
he had so many chances with this club. After the Chargers thing, you're like, okay, that was the biggest nightmare you can have, but he should get another chance. So he gets a chance in an admittedly tough situation against Indianapolis in the snow and did, didn't, you know, destroy the game, but didn't do anything special at all. It was tough to tell because the opposing quarterback was Jacoby Brissett, so who knows what an actual quarterback would have done. Comes into a playoff game immediately, not immediately, but within a few plays, throws an interception and ends the Bills playoff hopes. Has a great preseason. Okay, we'll throw you in yet another situation where you could succeed to start the season opener. He's so bad that he's benched after a little more than one half and demoted to second string, even though the Bills wanted to bring Josh Allen along slowly. And then uh, it comes into a Houston game because of an injury, throws a pick six that takes a tie game into a into a Texans victory with less than two minutes. Then a Bears game after that, where he immediately, you know, he let's in as much as I I should say I defended him the Bears game, much as I noted some of the interceptions and problems weren't his fault, but even still he averaged like two, three yards a, an attempt. You know, he was throwing everything behind the line. He completed 31 passes for like four yards. And yes, I know that's an exaggeration, but the, not far. No, yeah. The, the whole point I'm, I'm getting at here is he is, <laughs> I think everyone agrees, like he was simply not an NFL ready quarterback. Not, he's not an NFL capable quarterback, not even not NFL ready. And he's, he's a, as, as Frank said, from all indications, he's a great guy, he is a focused guy. But apparently, you know, when the when I mean, his work ethic must have been something else right. to, yeah. to stay on this team as long as he did. Right, because he kept getting those chances, and they kept being okay. This is the breakthrough. But some people in that environment, you know, they have to come through. You're under under the lights, and they just can't succeed. And it, it was very clear several times over that that Nathan Peterman wasn't that guy. I do wish him the, the best in life because he does seem like a such a good focused person. But it is better for the Buffalo Bills, for everyone in that locker room who has to be accountable for their performance, and for Nathan Peterman in the pursuit of what's next in his life, that this happened now, and now everyone can move on. Yeah, I mean, I'll, we can we can maybe circle back to some of the other guys. I think the the thing about Peterman, yeah, it's I you know I kind of agree. Like on some point, yes, it was it was it's obviously easier to make fun of Peterman than it is to make fun of McDermott because McPeterman is the one who's going out there and and stinking it up, and and McDermott obviously kind of presumably is is supposed to be paid to know enough to not make those decisions, and uh, but at the same time, it's just easier for him to kind of hide from the scrutiny on the sidelines. Not that he is, it's just that clearly that's the way it ended up. Um, that said. You know, and and so yeah, you can't expect Peterman to just say, "I'm not good enough to play this." Someone fire me and take this money. I don't know. Vontae Davis seemed to <laughs> yeah. be Vontae capable of that level of self-introspection. Vontae is the only one like, you know what? I'm terrible. I'm just going to forfeit my salary and leave at the middle of this game. Va- Vontae is a millionaire. I'm not sure that Nathan sure. Peterman has quite cracked a million yet. That's not, I, I'm not saying that a couple hundred grand isn't no. something that we'd all like. It's a total but... exaggeration to say he threw a million interceptions. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, but, but uh, kind of more philosophically about kind of what the Peterman experience has, has left us all with. I think the hope that I have is that Sean McDermott has learned something from this. He is obviously, this is his, as a defensive coordinator, you know, ultimately the buck doesn't stop with you for the roster. The roster 
the the buck on the roster, so to speak, stops somewhere else. The head coach or the general manager or the pro personnel guy, whatever. And obviously now McDermott's the head coach, and he, even if he is not technically in charge of the 53-man roster, he certainly has a great deal of impact on it. And he, I think we all realize that he has some sort of vision for what Peterman was going to be. And I guess the only thing that I will say is hopefully McDermott has realized what a, like I have, what kind of talent level is available just lying around on the street, ready to be scooped up and put on the roster with little to no effort and what that level of performance looks like. Because frankly, I'm not sure that I did. I'm not sure that, that Sean McDermott did. I'm not sure a lot of pro people would because ideally in a, in a, most stable NFL teams, you have the starter, and then you either have the rookie that you're developing to be the next guy, or you have the veteran backup who's the gray beard and at least gives you some competence and can can take the snap from under snapper, uh, take the snap from under center, turn Easy around and hand, turn around and hand it to the running back, and the offense can move at least with some you know professional proficiency. Basically, um, the I think that now hopefully he would understand like, boy, I really blew this one. He shouldn't have been on the team at all. He, he didn't have an NFL ceiling. Like some guys like the floor is he'll be a player in the league. Nathan Peterman's ceiling was below was like the CFL. Like that's kind of his his high point at this point. Practice squad, right? Like he should have exactly. been Levi Brown and never actually into a game onto a game yeah so i hope that that is the thing that he can take away from this and that he will remember that going forward that regardless of whatever else the guy brings in the locker room culture work ethic um try hardness of a handsome face you know where's a nice seems to have good sunglasses whatever (laughs) like he has to be able to perform on sundays otherwise he can't be on the team otherwise everyone on the team is going to think you're an idiot and they're not going to want to play so that is i think hopefully the lesson that we can all learn and most specifically sean mcdermott learns from what happened with nathan peterman and and i did look up his career earnings scott 1.03 1.03 million. So what? he is technically a millionaire. He did earn what? that over the course of 26 NFL games. And his that's like, hit next year will be $119,000. That's like $600,000 in interception. So pretty <laughs> that's, great. That's like a bank heist. Like seriously, he went to the bills, stole a million dollars, <laughs> and got away scot-free. That is the Nathan Peterman experience. <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm going to take my money and I'm going to start my business now. Slate's going to do a crime podcast about him in a couple of weeks. The it's Peterman just, Show. It's just, it's just Peterman just, just laugh. That's why, that's why Sean McDermott wouldn't cut him. It was just, uh, it was just uh, Nathan Peterman playing like the pencil game with, with um, what's his face? Who was the offensive coordinator? Rick Dennison last year. You know, he put the pencil into his eye and it said, <laughs> Want to see a magic trick? <laughs> Why so serious? Yeah, exactly. So, anyway. So, yeah. Well, now I got to watch that movie. Thanks, Scott. Uh, <laughs> I don't have enough to do around here. Um, uh, I don't have strong feelings about Philip Games. I mean, Philip Games wasn't very good. We talked about him a little last week. Yeah. Too. 
We did. I, think Humber, the big, I think the big name on this list we should at least talk about for at least Humber. 45 seconds. Humber. Humber. Yeah, I mean, he was he was a Rex Ryan holdover that McDermott liked enough to keep last year and start at linebacker last year, even with the emergence of, of Milano, who still was getting significant snaps on defense through the first four or five games of this season right. and is now – now on the road. I think since I've started rambling about him, I should I should continue. But um, I I don't necessarily think his career with the Bills could be over. Uh, you know, he knows the system. They do have an open roster spot right now. They they're down to three QBs. They're not going to add a fourth. I thought once they subtracted and got down to six receivers from seven, they wouldn't add another. But hey, Deontay Thompson is on board now, so they're back up to seven. So and with Milano's head injury at the end of last game. I could see them bringing him back. So I don't want to necessarily go on too long about him, but, you know, he was a contributor for years. He was a good special teams player. You know, Milano has cited him as someone who's guided him in what to do in his role. So, you know, I, I, it's not a big loss in terms of the, the game to game. It's probably the right move. It obviously was the right move to, to, to get rid of him and bring Foster off from the practice squad who had a huge impact on the game on, on Sunday. But, um, you know, Humber was a, you know, he was not a world beating free agent signing, but he was a free agent signing who lasted, you know, two and a half plus barely seasons and, you know, at least made a contribution, which was a lot more than a lot of the, uh, Doug Whaley era signings ended up doing. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. He was here for a while and then he left. He will, cool. he will someday show up on this day in Bill's headlines. And you guys won't even remember his name. Yeah, and hopefully, right, yes. <laughs> headlines, not a story, because if he's in a story, he's committed a crime or dead. Mm-hmm. And so I prefer him to be in this day in Bill's headlines. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a testament to clearly building up the defense, isn't it? I mean, they've gotten better. And, um, and I will also say, hopefully, a little bit more of kind of what I was talking about in terms of, like, McDermott kind of being willing to let go of guys who, for some reason, he's – found affinity for because they're you know either he clearly has a thing for like veterans and guys who've been around the league a long time hopefully he's realized like no kidding ramon humber not that great let's yeah. just we got that we already have the next guy here it's not like josh allen where you're like oh, i don't know if he's really the guy or not matt milano is the guy i mean yeah. he's probably not perfect but he's certainly better than humber at this point and he's actually probably good so let's just kind of roll with that for a while Paul said something, and I and I think it's worth pursuing for a second. Do you think they'll keep three quarterbacks, and do you have strong feelings on it? I I feel like another lesson that could be learned if we're buying stock language is that maybe this team needs three quarterbacks, particularly since the two yes. that are left that are not Josh Allen are ones that are sort of um, approved, so they they've they've managed not to keep themselves playing football. Um, do we all agree that that's probably in the future here? And we're not going to suddenly be like, oh, we can do just fine with yeah. Matt Barkley and Josh Allen. Yeah, I, I'd agree. Keep three. One, the the first issue is the offensive line. They've started four quarterbacks this season because, you know, two got hurt and one was incompetent. And so, you know, just with the, the fact that your QBs are going to get hit a lot, you know, that's something to, to keep in mind. Also, I like I like the kind of the quarterback options you have now. You have Allen as a future as long as he's healthy, he gets the last seven starts of what is not going to be a playoff season, very likely. So, you know, play him against good defenses, see how he develops. You have Barkley in case he gets hurt. Barkley, as we saw this week, can do a good job in terms of, you know, making plays in the passing game that need to be made. We forgot to mention Deion Dawkins scored a touchdown. That was freaking amazing. 
Yeah. Um, you know, right. So, How did we not do that? Sorry. Right? Yeah. yeah. That was a beautiful play call, by the way. That you know, and and Matt Barkley said he almost killed that play because he heard the Jets yelling like tackles eligible, tackles eligible. He thought, uh oh, I should can this. And then he's like, ah, screw it, I'll try it anyway. And and it worked. Um Yes, yeah, so you've got a guy with Barkley, you know, can come in and perform at least adequately, if not better than adequately, to win a game. And then you have Anderson, who's been in the league for, what, 13, 14 seasons now and, you know, has a lot of knowledge of the game that's going to be very helpful to Allen. So why would you cut him unless you get someone, a bottom-of-the-roster guy who's going to contribute week in, week out that you think can replace him? I, I like the three QB setup I, for this hard. team. It's hard for me to, it, this one's tough because on the one hand, like in the spirit of like, this is essentially training camp. It doesn't matter as much whether or not we win or lose. So why do we really need like three quarterbacks? Like what, like we're going to hope the odds that we're going to go through, we're not going to start more than two quarterbacks on the 45 man more than two on the 45 man game day roster, whatever the number is. Um, so we're we're kind of screwed if more than two get hurt in one game and if the which can i i'm sorry i just have a terrible terrible tangent to go on go 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 on the hey tangent. we're here we're actually on time it's, today so this and is exactly why we're coming up so that takes us off so yeah. okay so yeah, we're off next week so go you know we've got two hours to fill so in the oliver stone movie any given sunday mm-hmm they're not the nf it's not the nfl because all the teams just kind of look like nfl teams they play in like college stadiums that kind of they they play in college and pro stadiums that kind of look like nfl stadiums it's like the miami sharks and it occurs to me that in that league they apparently you can have three quarterbacks on your game day roster because as you recall um who's the old guy dennis quinn is that his Quaid. name? Yeah, Randy. Dennis, Rick, Dennis Quaid. Yeah. Quaid. Dennis Quaid is the starter. Cap, Cap Rooney is the starter. He gets injured. He like blows a disc or something. Then um, the backup comes in for like one series and he gets like killed. And they say, James Woods is the doctor and said, What do you mean? I forget the name of the backups, like Tarkenton or something. What do you mean Tarkenton got hurt? He fell off the bench. Um, and then they have to go to Willie Beeman to come in and be the third stringer. And it occurred to me, how could he be active on the game day roster? Because he would have been the third string quarterback. But clearly, again, it's a fake league. So I guess in that league, right. it's there, you're you, allowed to have three game day quarterbacks. You can. I, the only time I remember the Bills having three quarterbacks play in a single game, and there, I'm sure there are others, was like back in 04, and they were just, it was a blowout win. So they put. Uh, they had Bledsoe start, and then they're like, "Oh, you know what? Let's uh, let's give Shane Matthews a chance, the backup." And then Shane threw like a long touchdown. Everyone cheered, like, "You know what? That's got to be your one play as a Bill." And then they brought in Lossman, like, "Okay, you're the future. Let's see what you can do for a quarter." Huh. But okay. it's generally, I guess, there's no do... rule. You just it's just how do you want to spend those forty five bodies? Yeah, right. right. So you know, sometimes you can act. You can activate three QBs. There's no rule against it but okay. because of you know the contributions you usually need i think most teams i think the vast majority keep only two qbs active on game day okay but anyway so they they end up so yeah because with james washington aka l cool j in at running back 
it's you're gonna be able to mostly run the ball at that offense. So why they felt the need to have three quarterbacks on their game at roster, I don't know. Anyway, going back to the Bills. <laughs> Tangent over. Um what were we talking about? Uh we were talking about Facebook and Twitter questions. Do we have any? <laughs> Frank's, Frank's already skipped on. <laughs> I feel like you made your points. <laughs> yes. We didn't mention if you Terrell, can't remember what it is, then I... <laughs> we didn't mention Terrell Pryor, but really what do we have to say about Terrell Pryor? You know, he's out. And oh, yeah, sure. Added, one guy we added we should at least mention, Levi Wallace, from the practice squad to, you know, quarterback, quarterback number two. Against a team with no wide receivers, he did very well. You know how we'll do against teams with wide receivers. We will find out. I, I do like the McKenzie signing. Like that guy showed something in just a small amount of plays. Oh, Broncos um, Nation, by the way, is pissed. I was randomly on their some of their sites, and they were huh. looking at his stats, thinking, "Why did we not utilize? We should have utilized this guy like this." I guess the issue with McKenzie for, and this could be relevant tossing forward. He had six fumbles on punt returns last year, and three were recovered huh. by the opponent. And so yeah. they felt like, oh, he doesn't have great yeah. ball security. But I feel like that's something like Marshall Falk used to be a terrible fumbler. And then by his like sixth season or so, he was to the point where he not only rarely fumbled, but like never fumbled, you know, and they actually made a joke out of that in an ad for like a PlayStation game. So, you know, I, I think this was thank, thank you Broncos for giving up on him because at the very least he contributed to the bills for, for a game. And will I have a feeling will contribute many more. Mm-hmm. Hooray. Um, do we have any Facebook I, or Twitter I, questions? I, I didn't see any. Have. On, on Twitter, you know, we I it kind of spurred a conversation with Orlando when I posted like, hey, let's – and I was actually a day in advance of asking for questions for once. And, uh, yeah, we didn't really get anything in, in on the questions front. I think looking at the tweets and replies to see if there's anything worth – mentioning and what better way to scroll through this than while we're actually podcasting. Mm-hmm. There, wasn't, there wasn't anything on Facebook really. Mm-hmm. Phil, Phil chimed in and said he wanted an emergency Peterman podcast. I think this, this suffices. Yeah. And I think most of the people were like, you know, Peterman needs to, you know, be, be gone. He now is gone. So that's not a concern anymore. Yeah. This is really a pretty dead week in terms of Facebook and, and Twitter questions. Thanks everyone though. Just who, interacted sunday i noticed sunday was a lot more uh twitter friendly than usual lately it's just been um you know me and like two or three other people this time everyone was on board so hopefully the bills keep winning and more people keep interacting with us on sunday can we take a moment then to go off topic since we don't have this topic and then we'll go to the stadium bills i mean if we can spend five minutes on any given sunday i suppose we can't continue to do that i mean we're we're not even at like 50 minutes yet so yeah i I feel like we're i'm with two friends who would really appreciate this but i i want to mark the passing of stan stan lee i I fear that i read your post on, on twitter that was very you know, well thought out. And you know what? I should, I should let you guys go first. Cause I'm not as big a comics person as you guys. I still haven't seen infinity war, even though I know everything that's happened in it. So I, I, I will go third. Um, no, I mean like, it's just, you can read much better obituaries and, and, and soliloquies on, on Stanley, but he, I mean, his work personally touched my life as, as you two both know, cause you've been to my house and have seen the plethora of comic books. And I think that, you know, it's clear that that's just from an entertainment and genre standpoint, something that um, I appreciate, but it also, it's also one of those things that when some, when, you know, he passes, he passed, uh, it's something you reflect on and realize that it's informed my life. 
Um, it has nothing to do with football. So I apologize for everybody who's listening that just wants to get to this day in Bill's headlines. But um, I know that Paul and, and, and Scott on, on some level, you know, share an appreciation for Stan. And since we don't have questions, I, I, I just wanted to say I'm really sad. And, you know, he's he was 95, so it was understandable. But um, a life well lived. A life well lived, uh, and and one of the, um, just like a in a way a real visionary. I mean, a lot of stuff has been coming out from him in, in the, that he was writing in the '60s, and he was one of the first like truly, um, you know, people to speak out against bigotry and and and, and racism and 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 have a uh, scientific forward thinking um, brain that he infused into all his stories. Like he was writing modern mythological tales with little morals attached to them. And um, you can find my Twitter account. I kind of expounded on this a bit further, but um, he will be missed by me. Even when he was like well past his writing prime, he was always making me laugh whenever I saw him in cameos. And um, so anyway, that's it. That's all I had to say on that. And if, if you have anything to share, Scott, that's fine. I know I put everyone on the spot by kind of coming up with this, but no, I, I, I no, I mean, I agree. I was going to make the same point about kind of him, him being, you know, he, he was like, he served in world war two, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he did. Literally like, like he's that old, like not to say that he's, you know, he's obviously he's dead. So he's by definition, not old anymore. His code name in world um, war two was, was, playwright or shakespeare playwright? or something yeah. yeah like it was uh yeah i think it was playwright yeah sorry yeah. go ahead no it's yeah and and you know so obviously a veteran and and salute him for that his service as well um everyone's going to do their part um let me know if you'd like to know more um the the interesting kind of yeah and i was going to go on to make the same point about like obviously like he kind of came at things with a different perspective in terms of being very forward thinking about where the the and he built this kind of whole universe with the idea that there were places in it for people who were kind of outside the adult white male you know thing now he did not like obviously like have a gay man in comics in the 1960s like that's everyone has to be reasonable about kind of what the I forget the term, but like the window of normal was for that kind. Right, of he was not as, you know, he. Yes, I mean, the, the you know the X the X Men were the allegory for gay people in 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 some regard or or a minority of any sort. But he wasn't. There wasn't. Um, I guess he wasn't brave enough, or would, wouldn't have been published. Uh, you know, yeah. as far as maybe he would have wanted to go or whatever. But I think as as time went on you know there were still room in his universe for those type of characters you know as it kind of developed to a certain extent and i think mm -hmm. right and that that again that outsider message kind of resonated with people regardless of the actual kind of characteristics of the people so i think i mean i think that's that's valuable and yeah i don't really have too much to say i also have another uh point about dead people if we want to go there yeah sure yeah i love um, talking about dead people as we know uh so yeah and this one's a special for paul so i and, and this is actually we should not I don't know why I'm joking because it was a really sad article, but uh, SI did a good profile of James Hardy, former Bill. Uh, for oh, the cool! I oh, wow! That. Um, it's very, it you know, he had a kid, so it's kind of just like everything like that. Just kind of obviously has like it doesn't really matter anymore because like that kid doesn't have a dad anymore. So that's regardless of whatever else he thought about him, like that's sad. Um, and and right. obviously just like 
not a great life kind of growing up. He kind of had a chance to maybe get his life on the right track. It, I'm a little disappointed. I will say it was a good article. It was a little disappointing because it kind of glosses over his pro career. And you would think that would have been the one thing that Sports Illustrated could have done was like talk to some of the Bills, you know, coaches. I'll, I'll never forget his huge catch against the Jaguars in week two that won that game. And that was that was right. That was the first year the push out rule was abolished. So it didn't matter if you were pushed out or not. You had to get two feet in and his balance. And he got two feet in. Sorry, I just, that's one of my yeah. – pro remembrances of, of james hardy yeah no and and you know it, it was i thought i thought i remember being very excited when he drafted him because as a big 10 fan i remember him you know torching the big 10 and he still holds all of indiana admittedly not a football powerhouse um all of their basically receiver yards uh receiving records like yards touches touchdowns receptions um and I was very excited because he was he was he was very tough to guard. He was six six. He was two twenty. He had good legs. Um, you know, he could catch the ball. And I was very excited when the Bills got him. I thought he would have been a star. We got him in the second round pick, but then he got injured. He had he had he didn't make the team. He was he made the team. He didn't get on until later in the season. He did have those couple nice catches, but then he tore his ACL. He, it took him a while to come back. He never really he went back to training camp with us, and then we cut him. He hung on for a little bit with the Ravens after that. And then there's just kind of this long kind of descent back to like his whole life was trying to get out of where he came from to a certain extent, which was not a particularly nice part of Fort Wayne, Indiana. And then you could see as he kind of got back to that life that he it kind of became accompanied with mental illness and all this other kind of complications and sadness and other things. And obviously just ended with his with his suicide not too long ago at this point. So yeah, but I would I would encourage everyone to read it. Yeah, and it's got. I'll I'll talk. I'll mention James, and I'll go on to to Stan Lee. But I'm I've literally opened this article now. And I'll never forget it. It was a this day in Bill's history on the podcast, and and James Hardy had been the answer or something. We started to we we're joking about him because he was kind of a draft disappointment. And then as Frank was reading down his Wikipedia article, and we realized some of the issues he was confronting, Frank just is like, "Nope, we're we're stopping now. We're not making fun of this guy anymore." And we never have because, in you know, he's. We, if if you don't think you're affected by mental health issues or that someone in your life isn't, trust me it, that you you are and someone is, uh, and if it's not you, it's someone you you care about uh, very much. So that's uh, this is you know maybe next PSA I guess at this point, but definitely something to you know remember going forward. And I'm definitely going to read this article on Stanley. The one thing I I I will note again, everyone try and read Frank's uh, great. Mm -hmm you know, uh, five paragraph, uh, soliloquy on this, if you will, a great, you know, someone who's a great storyteller and revealed truths. The only thing I want to mention about him, which I thought was so pressing is there's an, an interview from about 24, 25 years ago that showed up with him. They're like, Hey, you are getting, you're getting this movie made now. What other of your films are going to be made? And he just sent off a, a laundry list of like 16 to 18 films that he thought like these will, you know, we've had talks about these movies and someday they'll be made. And it was kind of like, okay, whatever. And then when Ant-Man was made, all of a sudden, all of these had been made, like every single one. So, right. you know, to, to have that high in art that you can be, your art is appreciated, your ability to be a storyteller and a great graphic novelist and relate to all these people is good. And that still has, an element where it, there's sales, like people can, you know, you can help people make a lot of money off of this. That is a rare combination when you can be true to your art and, and make a living out of it and positively affect the lives of so many people. And I think that's, that's what I, I, I think about Stanley. Yeah. 
Well done. Uh, okay, let's lighten the mood and get it back towards football. All um, right. And, and I and don't do think some... I have any dead bills to discuss, so I guess this will lighten the mood. Okay, good. Well, good. Then the, the same bills his headlines. Here we go. I'm ready to play. Are you ready to play the feud, Scott? Yes. Let's here we go. It. We have, we have uh, you know, not as many questions as usual, Dave, but it's still still a fair number. This isn't, uh, this isn't trivia to start. I just want to note that a headline 2017 was, uh, is it time for the Bills to bench Tyrod Taylor for Nathan Peterman? That was an actual headline today in 2017. Just had to point that out. Uh, and that was after the Saints game. Said, is it time for the bench him? Not yet. It, it wasn't. All right, sorry. This is a nice warm-up one. It's a little easier one to start, I think. Buffalo Bills blank among league leaders in quarterback pressures. What year? 2016? 2016. It says the majority of his 39 pressures have come from QB hurries, a stat that you don't see in the box score. I think that's got to be Jerry Hughes. I agree. Yep, you guys are both correct. So, all right, now we're going to get a little bit, uh, and it's gradually get a little more difficult. So we'll go back to 2014. Blanks, red contact lenses, dominant play for Bills against Dolphins, garnering attention. Ooh, I- Mario Williams. Oh, Scott didn't even – I thought that was going to be a little trigger, but Scott just dives right in. Yeah, that was Mario. I forgot about the red contact lenses he used to wear. Remember when Mario Williams was good for that season and a half? That was, that was a great right, season and a half. Yeah. That was, they had the sweet nickname, all came up as soon as they got bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Cold front. So good. Cold front. All right. This is one I do not remember remotely, and maybe you guys will, but we know the player, so I went for it. So 2012, this is someone who is not yet a Bill and actually played for the opposing Miami Dolphins at the time, but eventually became a Bill and made a disparaging comment about women in Buffalo. So it says, Blank makes comment about Buffalo women. It was on a sports show in Miami discussing this Thursday yeah, game. There's a brief discussion about the fact that Thursday's game will be paid in Buffalo's cold, which caused one of the hosts to hypothesize that the women in the stands would be topless. The other host said, you don't want to see that, which first was replied, no, God, no. And then this player chimed in right in with, not Buffalo women. Uh, do you know this Bills player? Frank might. Scott, do you have any? Yeah, I do know who it is. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I'm Ben Dolphin, future Bill. Ben Dolphin, future Bill. I, oh, was... I've got a, I don't have it then. I'm wrong. If he, if he was a then Dolphin, future Bill, yep. then I'm uh, wrong. Um, I will say... Um, uh, Aaron Burr. Uh, after he shot Hamilton. This was yeah, yes. yeah, right. Um, no, I I thought it was Willis McGahee who said something differently disparaging about Buffalo. So I right. apologize. I had that wrong. Right. Um, and Willis had disparaged Buffalo and said there was nothing to do, but fathered three children by three different women while he was in Buffalo. So clearly, he was finding things to do. People, right? Yes, right. You're Matthews. in the right position, Frank. I'll give you that hint. This player is is really well known for uh, his college football career, the scandalous result of that career, and also for sex tapes. Reggie, oh, Reggie Bush. Bush. Reggie Bush. Yeah. Yep. Yes, he was a brief bill. Yep. All right. The briefest of bills. 2010 will be our grandest trivia question, so we'll save that for the end. So 2006, prosecutor recommends charge dropped against Bill's safety blank. Hamburgtown prosecutor Dennis Gaughan said Monday he will make a recommendation after receiving a letter from the player's girlfriend 
requesting the domestic dispute charges dropped. Gone said the girlfriend who has returned home to Ohio also wrote she did not require medical attention after police were called to the player's home in suburban Buffalo on November 5th. What year is this again? 2006. I have a good guess for this, but I want Scott to go first because if I get it right, everyone's going to say, oh, damn. I think. Um, I feel like there wouldn't be a lot of Dante Hittner jokes if he actually hit his girlfriend. That's that's right. I think you're in the right era. Can I make my guess? Go right ahead. I, I think it was former Ohio State player Ashton Yabuti. Wow. If is... Frank is right, this is a good pull. <laughs> Uh, I, I you wish I was. To, I feel the need to jump in because Frank's guess is phenomenal but wrong, and Scott's <laughs> Scott's Dante Hitner comment was correct. Oh it wow! Was, wow. It was, how we, how we, we can't make those jokes. Yeah. He, he can't have that nickname. I just love the fact that Frank God. got the right era because Yabodi was on the Bills in 06, and I emphasized Ohio for a reason because that was Whitner's background. That was well. his background too, yeah. right? Yep. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so for Frank to say Yabodi, I've got to give him credit there, even though Scott's answer it, it was technically correct. Yeah, he called himself Dante Hitner. It is a little little personal there, Dante. Don't know if I'd do that. All right, I was hoping to find more info on this and I, about why this guy got ejected, but I couldn't. But um, 2005, Bills guard blank, two others ejected in a chippy finish to Bills victory over Chiefs. So it was a 2005 guard, and I feel like he's been guessed in prior this day in Bills headlines, but has never been the correct answer until today. Ashton, you boot. <laughs> <laughs> Switching positions. Uh, um, this is kind of my spot here of like early 2000s Bills offensive lines. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was the one we had the one time, and you guessed four of the five linemen who started <laughs> that game, but not the one lineman who was the correct answer. That I'll was say, the Mike Gandy uh, guess game. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Mike Gandy, my nemesis. I'm going to go with <laughs> Ross Tucker. All right, Ross Tucker, who now writes for NFL.com. Frank, any guesses? Yeah, I, I have no guesses. All right, it was Chris Villarreal. Chris Villarreal. I was wondering if it was too early for that signing. Is that the signing with Langston Walker, right? Yep, that was around the same same time. And then yeah. Villarreal, I think he had, I think 2005 ended up being his last season of the team. I think he signed in 03 or so and then okay. uh, tailed off. Oh, wait, no, um, was that Dockery who signed with Walker? Oh, yeah, you're right, Dockery and Walker. Dockery and Walker was, like, Dockery was, and Walker was yeah, later. Was, those were the signs that made Jason. But Villarreal was before then, right? Okay. Right. Because the Dockery and Walker signs are the ones that made Jason Peters go, WTF? Yes. You're saying these guys this? And correctly. I'm making this? Correctly. Yes, correctly. And Jason Peters is all going to be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to skip this for now. <laughs> all right. Uh, this is the last non-ultimate question. After this, we'll have the ultimate trivia question. 2004, Gritter becomes a grappler. And by this, they mean Gritter, a football player, becomes a grappler a professional wrestler. So this oh, is a, a Bills player saying, I've watched wrestling since I was five or six years old, even I when I was this. in Buffalo, when people talked to me, my conversation to warm up was to talk to pro wrestling. When I was asked if I could meet anybody in the world, who would it be? I'd say Ric Flair. As a child, I didn't have football posters and football cards. I had pro wrestlers on my wall. Spoiler alert, they wrote this article because he did become a wrestler. He was a linebacker for the Bills during the Super Bowl era. He played in Super Bowl 28 against the Cowboys. Uh, 96, he signed with the Patriots as a restricted free agent, became a starter as the right outside linebacker, and made 23 tackles in his two starts before he had a career-ending injury. 
but he said he went to the Patriots because he wanted to be closer to WWF, the then WWF in Stamford, Connecticut. So he wrestled in total nonstop action wrestling from 02 to 06. He became the NWA world champion. He wrestled in the WWE for two years. He actually beat CM Punk during that time. Um, you know, can you name this gritter turned grappler? Was it Abu Abdullah Muhammad Ibn Yusuf Ibn Nasser, also known as Muhammad the First of Granada? Oh, the good old uh, MHG the Three or yeah. MHG the One. Yeah. Good guess. Well, they called he the did three. have a future as Abdullah the Butcher, but that's a different wrestler. So. Right. No, I sort of remember this story, but I can't really remember this this fellow's name. Uh, I also do not remember it was his name. Becky so Lynch. He went on to Sasha be, Banks. Becky Lynch. I'm just Bailey. It was Bailey. Oh, Bailey. It was, uh, it was the alpha male Monty Brown. Who uh, Monty Brown? Yeah, he was bigger in TNA than he was in WWE, but he'd have two years in WWE. All right, here comes the ultimate this day in Bill's headlines trivia question, and you have. Uh, two people you can guess here, and you're not going to guess either, which is what's going to make this uh, hilarious. Um, this was a game in 2010. The Bills beat the Lions 14-12, to and it was Buffalo's first win of the season. They were 0-8 going into this game. They had a couple close-to-victory games against the Chiefs, uh, against the, uh, the Ravens on the road, you know, exciting games. I have a story about this game off the air for Frank and Scott, which I'm sure is hell not telling on the air. Uh, <laughs> but the trivia question for this one is there was a Bills running back and his first run of the game was up the middle for two yards and he was tackled by a player who used to play for the Bills and now played for the Lions. Can you name this Bills running back, who, by the way, this was his only carry for positive yardage for the Bills, or the player who tackled him who previously played for the Bills. The hint is you can't unless you cheat. But if you can do it, good good luck to you to name either of these people. Because I vaguely remember one and don't at all remember the other. Please give me the year one more time. Sure. This year would have been 2010. 2010. Bills running back? Bills running back. And it is a Lions linebacker who used to play for the Bills. I'll trick it. I was about to look this up on the computer and I decided not to because I don't want Zool. But while you guys are thinking, I will tell you this uh, this linebacker would play for the Bills. Let's see, he was drafted. He was undrafted, but picked up by the Bills in 09. Played for the Bills in 2009, but then played with the Lions for 2010 through 2014. So he did have a decent career on that front. The running back, as I mentioned, Played, you know, just a handful of games with the Bills. I'm looking up his career right now, which I'm doing on my phone because, as we discovered, I am the chief dueling issue. Um, he is listed, he was born July of '84. He played for the Titans for four seasons, the Redskins for part of one, and then ended his career in 2010 with the Seahawks and then the Bills. Hmm. And I don't recall this human being ever existing. The other guy for the Lions, it's a bad I sign. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm, I'm. I mean, I, I've already made my joke guess, right? And maybe I, so I, I'm not going to make another here. Is it? Is it like Jonathan Smith? Oh no! But you know what's hilarious? In 2000, the two, uh, this day in 2004, which I want to mention, 
Uh, the Bills lost an awful Sunday night game to the Patriots where the only score was a Jonathan Fast Freddie Smith touchdown and Bledsoe threw an interception to Troy frickin' Brown. <clears throat> now I mentioned that. Um, but yeah, not, yeah, that's not weird. Okay, so then, no, that's not right, and uh, I don't have a guess on the linebacker. All right, I was... All right, so the running back, don't remember this guy remotely, Quinton Ganther. Did you remember that the Bills had a running back named Quinton Ganther? No, absolutely not. No, no. obviously yeah. not. No, no clue of that guy. The linebacker I slightly remember, Ashley Palmer. No. No. All right. Well, any Maybe a little bit. Maybe a little bit. Remember because he was straight yeah. out of Compton, straight out of Compton, California. Uh, okay. Went to Mississippi for college, uh, and did you know? After the Bills got rid of him, he did have five seasons with the, uh, the or four seasons with the Lions. So he, he did some stuff, but or five seasons with the Lions. So, but yep, yeah, that was the same Bills headlines, November fourteenth. Wowzer! I want Ashton you to you booty to have been a good answer. <laughs> um, the Bills are playing the Jags the next time they get on the field. Uh, they're 10 games in, so we're not due for a new quarter preview yet. Jags are scuffling. Jags, yeah. not that great. Um, Jags are playing like a Doug Marone-led team. Oh, wait. Yeah, right? <laughs> AFC, I'm going to actually pull up the whole AFC standings if I can here. Also, scuffling, which maybe we'll talk about next time if it happens again. Patriots did not look very good, and somebody gave a bad uh, you know, report card to Tom Brady saying that he did not look great. But no, he still has thrown for the fifth but, most number of yards in the NFL. But he's exactly. the greatest. He is the greatest quarterback in the history of the NFL. Right, so and he's yeah. married to a model. He's he's got a few things going for him, you know. Yes, but he Probably did doesn't play like shit against the Titans this week. But as far as we know, he is still a human and will eventually age. So there is that. <laughs> right. The Jaguars three and six would probably play one more game before they see Buffalo, meaning that they've already missed their bye. So Pittsburgh. they could Pittsburgh. So they they could be three and seven or four and six. Uh, 160 points for 137 for the Bills. They're, the Bills have given up 251. And the Jets currently on a five-game losing streak. Right, slightly better offense and, and defense by the by the scoring anyway. Right. Um, but because it might change next week after the bye. The Bills are the number one defense in yards per game. So good job for the the Bills on that front. It's like 300 yards a game. So well, yeah, uh, definitely. I, that's something that might change, but also. Uh, goes unremarked upon given how poor this team is um, <laughs> overall. So um, good for them. But what do we make of the Jags game? I guess I can find them. There probably isn't uh, an odds, but I would think it's it, – Yeah, they wouldn't have them be yet because the Jags have to play a game. I'll, I guess I'll jump in with my prediction first. I, I am almost loathe, and I found I, I hesitate to do this. After the Bills win a big game after or win in a big way, which, by the way, they beat the Jets. We all universally hate the Jets because the bar we met at was also a Jets bar. Right. So it was wonderful to see. But I'm always loath to pick the Bills to win after they have a, a big victory over a team because I feel like they're almost due for a letdown and I'm overreacting to the positivity. So I took a very, you know, down-the-middle view. And you look at the Jaguars coming down the road against Buffalo, no offense against a great Bills defense, a, a good Jags defense still, not as good as it was last year, but certainly – Again, you know, 199 points given up this year, better than an average defense um, in terms of points allowed. And, you know, they're, they're, they're still strong. I think you put this game in Buffalo. You put Bortles in Buffalo. I think you're going to have two weeks to prepare for this game, which, 
you know, it's not guaranteed you're going to win coming off a bye week by any means, but it definitely helps your cause because you're rested, you get healthy, you can game plan for two weeks. Every player on Sunday is going to be sitting around watching the Jaguars game, so they'll have that preparation. I think the Bills have a good edge in this game. I don't think that it's going to be a spectacular win, but they they can win this game. They can avenge that playoff loss, and I'll say the Bills take this one. I'll say 16-10. to 10. Scott? I don't think I can pick the Bills to win a game until they win, until, like, Josh Allen looks like an NFL quarterback and wins a game. I don't know <laughs> that – He's proven that it's not that we can't run a, run a game, win a game with a running game only and a good defensive performance. It's just that that's just not a smart pick. That's not, it just, that's a tough way to win. So I will say that the Bills lose at home to the Jaguars at 14 9, something along those lines. None of these games are close, so I'm going to say it will be 33-15. to 15. Games with the AFC South have been close. Oh, um, they have? Yeah, yeah. Like that in, that Colts game was way close. <laughs> and, <laughs> the Texans and Titans games were very – two-thirds of the AFC South games have been close. Well, most of their games haven't been close. Uh, you know, they are going into the, the bye week with the momentum, which I, I feel like we failed to remark upon. Um <laughs> You know, how invaluable is that, of course, uh, that they'll be, have to carry that through. Meanwhile, the Jags are out there slogging around trying to play football games, and the Bills just have the momentum. Um, so they'll get that. They'll have the home crowd advantage. And I think that this is going to be a game where we're all happy that the Sabres are playing well because, I don't know, I don't think that – I think that they're going to lose to the Jags. I think Josh Allen might struggle in his in his return. Um, I think the Jets game was an outlier because of largely the competition. And I think while the Jags are bad, they're not the Jets. So, excuse me. Oh, man, I'm tired just thinking about this game because it's going to be <laughs> such a slobber knocker. Um, the, uh, no, I mean, I, yeah, I could very easily see an issue. I, I'm just going to bet with – I'm going to try and have my brain outthink my heart here which uh, wants the Bills to win and wants the, the, the game against the Jets to mean something. And I don't think it's going to ultimately mean very much. So let's say let's say it means a little something. We'll say 23 to 14 Jaguars. I think that, you know, the offense will probably get them in some sort of trouble and, and the, 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 the Jags will pull away. Perhaps it'll be a closer game. Maybe it'll be like 17-14 until the end and then they'll score a touchdown and kind of put it away. But that's my two weeks outlook, which could change if, if you know, the Jags fall apart. Yeah, that's what I got. Um, until next time, uh, which we probably won't do a podcast until after the Jags have played, correct? Like that's yes, the post-Thanksgiving pod, a post-Jags pod. Yes, for those in the Americas, uh, happy Thanksgiving or Canadian Thanksgiving. And I, we hope you enjoy your holiday next week. Um, with the turkey and the football. Um, but we will be off until after then. Um, you can find us on Facebook, uh, backslash BillsMNY, or on Twitter, at BillsMNY. We will update the pages. I'm sorry. <laughs> you can I, do it, Frank. I you know. I'm, I'm just, it's 940. I'm so ready I for that. I feel like I should have, I feel like one of us should have, I, I, I'm awake, so I feel like I should be in any podcast that starts later than 830. No, you're, you're, that you're, should you're be a rule. It's just the child. The child has been, <laughs> has been trying this, this week. Um, 
So the Facebook and the Twitter will be there. You can search Buffalo Bills maybe next year to find this podcast or send it to your friends, and we'll do that. But we'll be happy to talk football this weekend and, and over Thanksgiving. I'm sure we'll have some time to chat about things. We won't be too far. And, of course, if they do something crazy, we'll uh, we'll, 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 we'll pull an emergency pod together. But most likely you'll hear from us after. The new GM of the Buffalo Bills. Right. Paul. Yes. The new GM. Uh-huh. Take that, Brandon Bean. Or Joe. Joe's been very active on the Twitter this week. It's so been I'm, great hearing from Joe. I love. It's been I love nice. Like yeah, Scott. Joe's been on the Twitter. I know you're not on the Twitter, so I'm not on the Twitter, but that's good. It's hi, Joe. Hi, Joe. We'll tell Joe. I hope maybe Joe listens. Maybe just maybe Joe just tweets us with this. Um, but until next time, uh, we should we should get Joe on the show if Joe wants to be on the show. We should, we should. have it and really round out all the men that were yeah, at that Professor is Joe. Yeah, Joe was part of our core crew back in some of the dark days of the late 20 aughts. Yes. At the bar. Right. And uh, and a good guy. And definitely yep. was ready to get into a fight at FedEx Field. Yeah. Uh, uh, and it was in the right to do so. We just sort of didn't. <laughs> we held him back and said, no one wants to be here anymore. So can we just go? Um, but maybe you can hear that story next time. So thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it. Have a good holiday. Uh, until next time, I'm Frank. I'm Scott. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.